right, so um, this morning I was asked to um, select a scripture from the lectionary. And if you don't know what lectionary is, it's basically a, a calendar of uh, Bible scripture. It's usually on a three-year cycle. Some uh, traditions have a slightly different calendar, but usually each week's um, scripture will include an Old Testament reading, um, a gospel reading, something from the epistles, and a psalm. So if you are ever interested in adding more scripture reading into your life and really like don't know where to begin, that's a big book. Um, following a lectionary calendar is actually really, really helpful. And in fact, there's, there's other programs like um, Praise You Go is a, a, a podcast and an app that you can follow and they use the, the lectionary. It's really lovely, like 10 minutes. They often have really nice music and, and someone reading the scripture. Just don't close your eyes if you're driving. While, while you're doing this, so that there's, it's great for the commute, but I mean, just don't close your eyes if, if you're driving. I'm on the bus, so I, you know, that's fine. So, um, lectionary, and so we, this morning we looked at, we are looking at Acts chapter 10, and um, the first verse of our scripture starts with, then Peter began to speak to them. Who's them? Um, sometimes, even in lectionary readings, we need to kind of look a little farther, kind of look a little farther back, maybe a little forward, and kind of figure out what are our historical, cultural, geopolitical contexts in order to make sense of this scripture. So we, if we look back just a few verses, we, we realize that Peter is talking to Cornelius, who is a Roman soldier, Roman citizen, and a gathering of his uh, family and friends. But why? So we need to look a little bit farther back. If you still have your Bible open, keep it open. We're gonna kind of look through the entirety of chapter 10 today, and I'm gonna paraphrase. So it would be actually really helpful for you to be able to kind of reference what it is I'm looking at. So keep your Bible open, chapter 10. And, um, so what we learn about Cornelius is that he's a centurion, which means he's a professional Roman soldier, and he has 100 men under his care. 100, century, centurion, kind of makes sense. And um, we know that he's not Jewish. If he's a Roman um, citizen, he's not Jewish. But he's a God-fearing man. He believes in God and... Um, is, is a devout uh, believer. Um, so in fact, his, uh, he gives generously alms to the people and prays constantly to God, it says. In fact, he prays and his, his prayers and alms earn him an audience with an angel. And Remember, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm speaking in jest. I, I don't want this to be prescriptive. It's not like we can follow a specific formula and, and get an audience with an angel. But Cornelius gets an audience with an angel. And the angel tells him, send for Simon, also known as, as Peter, um, and uh, who's, who's in Joppa. So Cornelius sends to slaves or servants or Uber drivers whatever your Bible translation uses. 
um, to, to go fetch um, Simon, Peter, in uh, Joppa. So the internet tells me the distance is about 36 miles. And that's probably modern roads, but you know, close enough. And, um, you know, Luke is the author of Acts, just as he is of the, the Gospel of Luke. Acts is a continuation. And if you, if you pay attention, Luke likes to use really specific details to anchor his narrative. So he often uses cities and, and very specific uh, mentions leadership and mentions historical events so that we can really anchor our narrative, uh, uh, put, place it right in a time. So the fact that he's discussing this um, uh, from, from Caesarea to, to Joppa, he mentions the time of day that um, Cornelius has his vision. He ha mentions the time of day that, that um, uh, Peter receives his vision. It all kind of really helps structure a really good vision for me. I personally really like Luke for this reason because he often crafts such a really interesting narrative for us. So verse nine says, the servants were approaching the city around noon. And meanwhile, around that same time, Peter is having a vision of his own. So it's noon. He's hungry, he's praying on the roof while waiting for lunch, and he falls into a trance. And Peter sees heaven open up, and something like a sheet descends from the sky, and it contains all these different kinds of animals. And a voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter is a good Jew. He has always kept what we call kosher, um, following all the rules of cleanliness and, and what foods you're allowed to eat and not eat. And, you know, so obviously his response is, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. Remember those words. And the voice responds, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And like most people who interact with God, they, he kind of bucks and fights, and they go through this like three times. Um, and some of us would take the meaning of this scene at face value. Great. God says we can eat bacon now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, bacon is great. It's a gift from God. But freedom from fruit, freedom from food restrictions is not the whole point here. Just as Peter is contemplating this vision, the men Cornelius sent pop up. And the voice speaks up again. He says, look, the three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter goes with them to Caesarea, and, and some of his friends from uh, some other uh, believers from Joppa as well. Um, expecting their, retu their return, Cornelius has gathered his household and his friends, and Peter kind of immediately needs to put uh, Cornelius straight about who needs to be worshipped, not Peter. And he says to the crowd, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate 
with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. No one should be called profane or unclean. So here we are. Peter is addressing a Roman centurion, his family, and his closest friends. And traditionally, Peter would not have been allowed to associate with these people. They were considered profane and unclean. But here he is enjoying some bacon and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ for these, for these God-fearing people. Peter's words are all the more powerful. So let's look at them again. It, it, this, this part is just too good to paraphrase, you guys, so follow along with me. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John announced how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witness to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. God shows no partiality. In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Jesus commanded us to, pretend, to preach to the people and testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter is being called to fraternize with the enemy. The Jews and the Gentiles don't just dislike each other. It was forbidden by Jewish law for them to interact. The seriousness of this rivalry may not be obvious today, as so many centuries have passed and we're just really familiar with these stories. Plenty of examples litter our history, our literature, our movie and television plot lines, and even our headlines. The Montagues and the Capulets. The Hatfields and the McCoys. Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Starfleet and the Borg. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks fans and Green Bay Packer fans. Democrats and Republicans. 
Tribalism is all too common these days. It's us versus them. And it's there wherever you hear those people or they're all like that. There's nothing wrong with identifying yourself as a part of a group. You can be proud of your heritage. You can be proud of a group that you belong to and love and connect with. It's when that group pits themselves against another group out of hate, fear, ignorance, prejudice, or stereotypes that things start to go so wrong. The difference between tribalism and community is whether the group excludes people or includes people. Becca talked about this this morning with family. It's like she was reading my notes. Mountain View is a community because we include people. Peter is called specifically to include the Gentiles, to create community and break the boundaries of hate and discrimination. Peter is called to serve strangers, to turn the profane and the unclean into sisters and brothers in Christ. This, is only require, this not only requires a paradigm shift in Peter's thinking, but also in Cornelius's. They both had to change. They both had to accept the other in order for this community to build. History shows us this is, this is not always easy or successful, but necessary. Everyone here, everyone there that day received the Holy Spirit and was baptized. That is our goal. That is why we do what we do. This is why we go to Senegal. This is why we go to the Dominican Republic. This is why we feed the homeless and why we serve in the cold weather shelter. We are called to care for those who are, con are considered profane and unclean. We are not called to judge each other. It says right there in our scripture, that's God's job. We are called to testify to each other. How might this look in your life? Start by recognizing which people make you feel most uncomfortable and finding ways to learn more about them. So think, consider it. Who makes you nervous? Who maybe makes you angry or maybe scared? I'm not asking you to be unsafe, but I'm encouraging you to educate yourself. And not just by passively Googling a, a different culture, that's always dangerous territory, but by taking action, by learning about someone in person, just like Peter did. Um, I heard a news story yesterday, or day before yesterday, of um, uh, a man and his son who have made a tradition over the last several years to take one homeless person out to lunch each week. They take them to like McDonald's or some kind of restaurant and they just sit and talk with the person. So the person feels heard and is seen. Don't have the money for that? Volunteer at the food bank or Marysville Community Lunch. 
there are plenty of opportunities to sit with the poor or the homeless and just get to know them. Ask them questions about themselves and understand where they're coming from and how they got there. You'll find you have a lot more in common than you, than you thought. Um, nervous about the Middle Eastern Muslim family living down the road? Find an opportunity to strike up a conversation. Introduce yourself while they're at the mailbox or walking the dog. It's as easy as like, hi, I'm Amanda. I live in that house. How long have you lived here? Just starting up a general conversation is a great way to, to get the ball rolling. Do people with disabilities make you nervous? Maybe because they talk funny or they kind of have processing weird or maybe the crazy lady with the iPad in her face. There are plenty of opportunities to learn more about these people. Uh, Special Olympics has sports going on all year round. Eagle Wings, Eagle Wings Disability Ministries have uh, activities every single month. Both of those organizations are desperate for volunteers. Worry about the crime rate or the um, low income or immigrant housing. Volunteer to read with the kids at your local elementary school, at any school, and at any school. Uh, I mean, we support Cascade Elementary School because it's right here and it's awesome, and they need reading buddies, but every single level of kids need reading help in this, in this school district. Getting to know people, getting to know their stories is the fastest way to connect with people and dispel our ingrained or even unconscious prejudices. Peter went to Caesarea. He met with the people. He learned about them. He taught them and found they were just as open to the Holy Spirit as the other believers from Joppa. I pray you find ways to include people into our community of Christ. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word. May it inspire us to follow in action and in love. We pray for our team heading back from Senegal for safe and restful travel. Lord, we pray for the marginalized people in our area. May we look upon them with new eyes, with your eyes. May we find opportunities to include them in our community with you. Amen. <laughs>